Even in Brian Laundrie's final moments, he still couldn't and wouldn't tell the whole truth. Brian wrote an eight-page note before his suicide. And we've been waiting for this notebook to be made public for quite some time now. That notebook was found where he committed suicide in Florida. In the note, he addresses Gabby, he talks about Gabby, his family, and what happened in a final statement. But even in the end, Brian wanted to appear as the good guy, just like we saw him try to do in that Moab body cam video on the side of the road back in August. So we're gonna rip into this note and we're gonna break it down. So now, let's get into it. Brian's eight-page letter is definitely interesting. On the surface, he sort of takes responsibility, but really, he doesn't take responsibility. In a previous video in this case, I talked about Brian's pattern and his confessions without a confession. Kind of saying what happened, but doesn't say it directly. Brian is leaving crumbs. A confession without a confession, in my opinion, tells. If this is indeed Brian texting, which I believe he was. People have patterns and this is his. The truth is also in the details. Something happened to Gabby where she lost her life, was left stranded and dead. Brian fled the scene and the only way, the clever way to let it out without fully confessing were these texts. He goes home, he stays silent, he lawyers up, doesn't tell authorities where she is or was. He creates Spotify playlists with questionable songs on them, referencing he knows she's gone. And now he's gone, but maybe he won't be silent for very long, even though he's nowhere to be found people have patterns. I created a video a while ago in this case that's been pretty controversial, but I still stand by it. It had to do with a text from Gabby's phone made to Gabby's mom, Nicole. Can you help Stan? I just keep getting his voicemails and missed calls. It had nothing to do with Gabby's grandfather, whose name is Stan. It's Brian's confession without a confession, like Chad Daybell and his raccoon text. And I also did a video that had to do with the next text, no service in Yosemite. Can you help Stan? I just keep getting his voicemails and missed calls. Stan killed his girlfriend, who can only get missed calls and voicemails. On the 27th, this was written, and on the 30th, as I stated, no service in Yosemite was a tagline, not a text. And this text three days before wasn't regarding Gabby's grandfather directly. It was another tagline and another tell, a pattern for the texter. Can't get a hold of Gabby, there's no service. And the word Yosemite, which means to kill others. Two confessions in three days, with kill as the common denominator and silence in both. My videos were created before Gabby was found and based on those theories and my videos, I had predicted that she would have been choked or strangled and the cause of death was manual strangulation. I also talked about her being in water because of this Stan video. And here in this letter, he does talk about her being in the water, although I believe it's a load of crap by Brian of what actually happened. I'll have those controversial videos at the end of this video and also in the description box below. I still stand by both of them. Now let's dive into the letter and the first observation. Right away, what's interesting is on page two to eight, Brian writes in the lines, but on page one, he doesn't. It's all over the place. But why not the first page? And then I wonder if it's on purpose. So I looking and thought, well, maybe he's trying to make some sort of rainbow or maybe I don't know what it could be. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. I do remember when Gabby was found, it was said that there was a beautiful rainbow over where she was, which I find interesting, but Brian wouldn't have known that. 
Page one, this is to Gabby. Brian says, I wish I was right at your side. I wish I could be talking to you right now. I'd be going through every memory we made, getting even more excited for the future, but we've lost our future. I can't live without you. I've lost every day we could have spent together, every holiday. I'll never get to play with Kat and that's illegible. Again, never go hiking with TJ, which is Gabby's brother. I loved you more than anything. I can't bear to look at our photos to recall great times because it is why I cannot go on. When I close my eyes, I will think of laying on the roof of the van, falling asleep to the sight of a meteor shower at the Crystal Geyser. I will always love you. Looking up the Crystal Geyser, it seems to be in Green River, Utah, about 50 minutes away from Moab, which is where we saw Gabby and Brian on the side of the road with the body cam footage. And they were around Moab in the middle of August, August 12th to be exact. Now let's go to this one line that really stood out to me because words are important. It says, I loved you more than anything. I can't bear to look at her photos to recall great times because it is why I cannot go on. This is about him. This isn't really about ownership of her murder. He can't go on because he can't look at her photos. Not he can't go on because I murdered you. Page two, this is about Gabby. He says, if you were reading Gab's journal, looking at the photos from our life together, flipping through old cards, you wouldn't want to live a day without her. Knowing that every day you'll wake up without her, you wouldn't want to wake up. I'm sorry to everyone this will affect. Gabby was the love of my life, but I know adored by many. I'm so very sorry to her family because I love them. I'd consider her younger siblings my best of friends. I am sorry to my family. This is a shock to them as well, a terrible grief. I'm gonna extract two lines from here. Number one, he says, I'm sorry to everyone this will affect. Gabby was the love of my life, but I know adored by many. Well, he separates others who love Gabby as well. Gabby was the of love of my life, but I know adored by many, not and adored, not others also love her, but we know from others in this case that Brian was possessive and he's separating people here again. Next line, he says, I'm so very sorry to her family because I love them. Not because he killed Gabby, he's sorry because he loves them. More about Brian. Page three, this is about his family and explaining what happened. He says, they loved as much, if not more than me, talking about his family, a new daughter to my mother, an aunt to my nephew. Please do not make this harder for them. This occurred as an unexpected tragedy. Now, this is where it tells me, in my opinion, he is writing this for the public, not anybody else in the family, the public. He says, please do not make this harder for them. This occurred as an unexpected tragedy. He wants to reiterate that this tragedy was unexpected and nothing more. It was just, you know, just something that happened. Notice also he says a new daughter for my mother. He didn't say for my father as well or my parents, just his mother. And he doesn't say a sister for his sister. Brian has a sister. Now the next bit, is about what happened. This statement, again, in my opinion, is for the public, not the family. And it's a load of you know what, in my opinion. Here we go. Rushing back to our car, trying to cross the streams of Spread Creek before it got too dark to see, too cold. 
I hear a splash and a scream I could barely see. I couldn't find her for a moment, shouted her name. I found her breathing heavily gasping my name. She was freezing cold. We had just come from the blazing hot national parks in Utah. First, they did travel in the national parks. They went July 11th from Colorado into Utah, and they did that until the end of August, basically before they wound up in Wyoming. Second, he contradicts himself here. He says, trying to cross the streams of Spread Creek before it got too dark to see, too cold. I hear a splash and a scream I could barely see. Well, on August 27th, sunset was 8.06 p.m. He says he's trying to cross the streams before it got too dark, but then he said he heard a splash and a scream and could barely see. And just for good measure, here's how he could see that day. It's a visibility chart, which is 10 miles. Now here's the temperature. Notice it says comfortable at the top of the chart and then goes to cool, which is at sunset, dropping to 55 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit. And here's a picture of where the authorities found Gabby in September. And Gabby's stepdad, Jim, talked about having to cross those creeks to get to her. More on that in a minute. This day was the same day that Gabby and Brian had that altercation at Mary Piglet's restaurant. It's about an hour and 15 minutes away. Brian was kicked out of the restaurant. He was fighting with the hostess. And Gabby was outside crying. Brian's behavior was described as angry and relentless and Gabby's was described as hysterically crying. Later that day, their van was spotted in their camping area between 5.30 and 6 p.m. It was shown by one of the YouTubers, Red, White and Bethune, that you could see the van door opening and closing just as they were passing the vehicle. This also was the day of the stand text. And I wish we could find out what time this text occurred. Because I believe, in my opinion, like I mentioned earlier, this was one of the confession texts. So if we know the time that it occurred, we could match it to this statement of what Brian is saying and how we can't see and all that stuff. Now let's go to page four, what happened continued. The temperature had dropped to freezing and she was soaking wet. I carried her as far as I could down the stream towards the car, stumbling, exhausted, in shock when my knees buckled and knew I couldn't safely carry her. I started a fire and spooned her as close to the heat. She was so thin, had already been freezing too long. I couldn't at the time realize that I should have started a fire first, but I wanted her out of the cold back to the car. From where I started the fire, I had no idea how far the car might be, only knew it was across the creek. More contradictions and lies in this statement. Let's look where Gabby was found. This photo was taken by Jim. There was evidence of a fire, according to Jim. Brian says that he carried Gabby as far as he could safely, but instead of walking back to the vehicle, he decides to walk here. Doesn't mention that in the note. You know how far it was to the van? A five minute walk. So he says he started the fire and then he said he couldn't realize that he should have started the fire first. First from what? Did he leave her there and then come back to start the fire to continue his narrative? Brian hikes all the time. He's been traveling for how long? And he had no idea where the van was? Yeah, right. I call BS. Let me know your thoughts below. Here's what Jim said on Dr. Phil. He said, so you have to cross over this creek bed, this rock area, and go through these tributaries. And once you get on the other side, it's just some trees sparsely placed throughout and a lot of sagebrush, 
a lot of low brush. It was in an area where there was a few trees and there was the remnants of a fire ring there. There was a clearing where I would assume, knowing I have a similar tent, where I would place my tent, and that opening would face out overlooking the mountain range. Nicole says it wasn't far from the van, it was a five minute walk. Also, Brian says he was in shock in that statement. Shock from what? He said, I carried her as far as I could down the stream towards the car, stumbling, exhausted, in shock, when my knees buckled and I knew I couldn't safely carry her. Utter drivel. Page five, more drivel and painting himself like a hero. He says, when I pulled Gabby out of the water, she couldn't tell me what hurt. She had a small bump on her forehead that eventually got larger. Her feet hurt, her wrist hurt, but she was freezing, shaking violently. While carrying her, she continually made sounds of pain. Laying next to her, she said little, lapsing between violent shakes, gasping in pain, begging for an end to her pain. She would fall asleep and I would shake her awake, fearing she shouldn't close her eyes if she had a concussion. I think this paragraph explains a lot, but not the way he states it. Here's my first question. Did he shake her violently and she couldn't say what hurts because she was knocked down unconscious and that's why she got her bump? Was there a bump? And is he begging to end her pain? We don't know Gabby's detailed autopsy. We just know that she died by manual strangulation. And remember, they were fighting in that restaurant too that day. So it was a big day. Also, Brian goes from worried about her falling asleep and being unconscious to killing her. Now. Let's look back at this paragraph because this is interesting. I'm, I bolded the bits. She couldn't say what hurts. She was shaking violently and begging for an end to her pain. No, she was begging for her life. I'm gonna circle back to this in a minute. Page six, more BS. He says, she would wake in pain, start her whole painful cycle again while furious that I was the one waking her. Yeah, cause you're a woman beater. She wouldn't let me try to cross the creek. Thought like me that this fire would go out in her sleep and she'd freeze. I don't know the extent of Gabby's injuries, only that she was in extreme pain. Good one, Brian, good try, good try. According to Brian here, this is all her fault. And he sounds like this is a giant pain in the arse. She'd start the whole painful cycle again and she's furious that he's the one waking her. It's her fault. She wouldn't let me try to cross the creek. Insert excuse. Can't leave her, the fire would go out. What was I to do? Um, it's a five minute walk. They have phones. He could easily text the stand statement that day, but couldn't call for help, couldn't go back to the van, couldn't get a medic. She's the love of your life, right? It's like a case I covered, the Robert Lee Ming case. And he said that instead of calling for help while his girlfriend lay there dying, he thought it was best to go and get his gun and come back and put her out of her misery and end the pain instead of calling the authorities or instead of calling for help. He not only killed his girlfriend, but he also killed her little girl. And he also had the craziest interview on camera, weirder than Chris Watts. I'll put that below. Brian continues. I ended her life. I thought it was merciful, that it is what she wanted, but I see now all the mistakes I made. I panicked, I was in shock. But from the moment I decided, took away her pain, I knew I couldn't go on without her. Shock from what? And that one statement, I ended her life, that's probably one of the few truthful statements in this entire garbage eight page letter. That end, Gabby was loved and adored by others. That's a fact. 
So now he says he's merciful, bringing someone relief from something unpleasant is what that means. He's a good guy. How noble of you, Brian Laundry. But you know how long it takes to kill someone by strangulation? Well, according to Dr. Dan Field, who is a board-certified emergency physician and expert witness in strangulation and homicide cases, he says it is a long, deliberate process. He says it takes roughly between 62 seconds and 157 seconds. So, you know, one minute to two and a half minutes. Just think about that. In fact, as I keep talking, watch the clock on this video as the time goes, and that's how long it takes. And remember that bolded statement I showed you a minute ago? It's interesting because here's what happens when someone gets strangled. They can lose consciousness within the first five to 10 seconds, and then a seizure can occur between 11 and 17 seconds, AKA shaking violently. So the question is, did he kill her face to face? Or did he kill her while he was spooning her by the fire? He's a coward. Page seven. Now, say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Fleeing back to Florida, he says, I rushed home to spend any time left with my family. He certainly did. He left his love of his life in the wilderness dead and stole the van that wasn't his, driving home with questionable tunes he was listening to, not to mention stealing Gabby's money from her bank account while he had a bunch of money in his account. He continues, I wanted to drive north and let James or TJ kill me, but I wouldn't want them to spend time in jail over my mistake, even though I'm sure they would have liked to. Again, Mr. Nice Guy, I wanted to let James or TJ kill me. I don't think it's a game of letting, but since I'm such a nice guy, I don't want them to spend time in jail. So I spared them. He says, I am ending my life not because of a fear of punishment, but rather because I can't stand to live another day without her. I've lost our whole future together, not we. Every moment we could have cherished. I'm sorry for everyone's loss. Please do not make life harder for my family. They lost a son and a daughter. The most wonderful girl in the world, Gabby, I'm sorry. Now again, he's not really taking ownership. He says he's gonna kill myself because he can't be without her. In his mind, it's her fault that she got killed based on these statements. He's only doing this because he can't live without her, not the fact that he actually killed her and can't live with the guilt. It's just like the pictures he mentioned earlier, the photos of Gabby. He lost his future, he lost this, he lost that. What about Gabby's future? What about what he stripped away from her? What about Gabby? What about what she lost? Page eight is about his suicide. I have killed myself by this creek in the hopes that animals may tear me apart. And they did. That it may make some of her family happy. See, I'm a good guy. I'm gonna go and do this and I chose here so you guys can be happy. I'm a good guy. And like I said, he did get ripped apart. There wasn't much of him left. They had to actually piece him together. And it was known that there was a lot of wildlife in that area and also alligators or crocodiles or whatever they are, maybe both. And he continues this note, he finalizes this note with a PS. Please pick up all of my things. Gabby hated people who litter. More good guy. Who's shaking their head back and forth like this is ridiculous? Let me know. 
because it's disgusting. Now I'm told there's another note that Brian gave to his family on his phone. That would probably be the real one because I'm told that he was asking to delete it. Let me know if you know more about this. I previously have said I wouldn't doubt if Brian left a voice recording or something on his phone. And here we are. Brian does not have remorse. It's Gabby's fault and he's the good guy. Check out my Stan video here and my No Service in Yosemite here. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you soon. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.